Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi everyone, Amy here. Once again, we're talking about some heavy stuff with this documentary. There's religious trauma, there's um, talk of cults, there's talk of sexual assault, talk of child sexual assault. So if any of that is um, not suitable for you, please feel free to skip this episode. Thanks and enjoy the show. Tom? Yeah. We have the first fire truck that's come down this road is uh, coming down here now. How far are you, uh, how long would it take to get a fire truck from Waco? Well, 20 minutes, 15 to 20 minutes, would that be about right? Um, We are 10 miles outside of town, and a lot of it's two-lane roads, and they're not in the best condition. We want to show you you now uh, what happened earlier today. Uh, This began at uh, about 6 o'clock this morning local time. They began to punch through various parts of the building and then filled it with CS gas. they didn't throw in tear gas grenades, but they they began to close in on him. They said it was not the final assault. They wanted to make life uncomfortable. They they demanded, uh, the federal agents demanded a surrender earlier this morning. Now we're back on live picture, I believe. Uh, these are the first fire trucks arriving in Waco. A small village has grown up uh, about two miles from the compound. That's where Jim Cummins is. How many press people were there today, Jim? Well, at the beginning of the day, Tom, there were probably fewer than... Uh three dozen of us and uh, and now it's uh, of course gotten up into the hundreds again which it was during the early days of this siege we have now seen at least three fire trucks go through here and the town of Bellmead, which is nearby also sent another truck in so that's four but it looked like a, a rather old outdated fire truck yeah well the damage plainly is done there's no saving any part of that compound now uh unless there are parts of it that i can't see that have escaped fire I, it, it looks like it was just fully involved from my television point of view, Jim, is that the same for you? Yes, absolutely. As I look at it on the horizon now, I'm seeing less smoke, which means it's probably near the ground. Yeah, it is. It's uh, just a few charred uh, ribs of the building standing.
Hi everyone, welcome to Little Miss Recap, the podcast where Amanda, I'm gonna need the shame bell a lot. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. We can use the shame bell a lot if that's what needs to happen. <laughs> the podcast where we talk about cults and Amy, my, me, Amy, <laughs> I come to terms with the fact that I probably would have belonged to a cult had I been left to my own devices. You would at an early age. Yes. You would, but but would you be involved in the Branch Davidians? It's hard to say because... I feel like the atheist in you couldn't have bought into this. Right. I don't think that I would have done that. Okay. But had I met David Koresh at a music store, a la mm. David Thibodeau... Right. You might have just I wound have up there. Would I have gone back to his little hippie commune with him? Mm, probably. <laughs> Oh, no. Okay. Oh. I'm so excited to talk about this. I've been waiting to talk about this. I've been waiting to talk about it too. Guys, I just want to say up front, apologies. I don't feel well and my health is fading as we go. Right. <laughs> I can see her face is just changing as we go. Yeah. My daughter is really sick and I think I got it from her. And I woke up this morning and I was like, eh. but oh, nothing no. keeps me from Waco. Nothing no. keeps me from Waco. No. Amanda, what is your history with Waco? Do you remember it happening? Oh, absolutely. I remember bit. it happening for sure. So um, I absolutely remember it happening. And I remember multiple things about it. I was in college when it happened. So, and I was a political science major. And Ooh, I was okay. president of college Democrats. Or oh, tre- look at you. Oh, wow. Um, at the University of Delaware, which is why I have received the um, very famous Joe Biden uh, shoulder massage. I have received oh. that. It was oh. not, not creepy at all. Okay. Anyway, um, it's very He's very grandfatherly in everything he does. Okay. Anywho, uh, so I remember it very vividly and feeling very, um, at the time, mm-hmm. very disappointed in the federal government's handling of the whole thing. Um, is How old I, were you? Uh, what, it was 93, right? Yeah. Uh, 93. I was 20 years old. Okay. Yeah. I was 20 years old. So you were probably a junior in college. Yes. Yes, I was. So that is. I was, I was a junior in high school. Okay. Yeah. Because we're four years apart. That makes sense. So you Uh, felt, you understood, you feel like you understood kind of the nuance of what was happening. At a very high level. But I was like, Mm -hmm. I also come from this from a mindset of, for those folks who are of a certain ladies of a certain age or people of a certain age who are listening, not all ladies here, uh, people of a certain age listening who are in their late forties, early fifties may remember move, which happened in Philadelphia, mm. which was, I don't know that. I'm not, oh, okay. not familiar. So I'll give you a really high level of move. Move was a, um, was in a block of, of Philadelphia, Osage Avenue. And it was this kind of, I don't want to say cult because I don't think that's what they are. I think it's more of a communal group of um, African-Americans who were very much um, anti-colonialism, mm-hmm. were, were kind of ahead of their time in a lot of ways of thinking of how we're thinking about our history now. Just say okay. that. Yeah. Anyway, they also didn't have great living conditions. There was also potentially were they trying to incite violence i don't necessarily think they were doesn't really matter anyway wilson good who was the mayor of philadelphia dropped incendiary bombs on their houses oh my god yeah um and basically set a city block on fire 
And I remember it very vividly. Remember on the Today Show how they usually have like some like bit of history, like whatever they're going to talk about that day. They're like, you know, blah, 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 blah happened. And it's like Mm -hmm. a minute or two. And then it's like, and the Today Show. It's like right before the intro. It's like the cold open. Mm hmm. I will never forget this. I was getting ready for school and the cold open of the Today Show was Bryant Gumbel saying the mayor of Philadelphia has set a city on set his city on fire. Wow. So I also looked at it through that lens of like, yeah. this yeah. is what can happen when the government may or may not do the, I, I'm not going to cast, I, I'm going to say, I don't know enough about move to truly be an expert on it, but I look at it through that lens as well. It doesn't sound good. <laughs> no, it wasn't good. It wasn't good at all. It was very terrible. And there are people who survived it who are still activists and mm-hmm. working mm-hmm. towards. Um, I need to see if there's a documentary about that. Yeah, like, that would be a really good one to yeah. do. I know there have been podcasts about it. I should look back on here's it. I was the, fascinated with it for a while. Here's the thing. Like, I am I love history. And if you love history and Same. you know history, you know America's we not great. history. <laughs> and, and here's the thing. Can we just say that, like, we can look at american history objectively and say things were bad without saying america itself is terrible and 100 percent. i feel like we're in this place right now if we criticize things that have happened in our history we're somehow painted with this this brush of well that's because certain people in this country think they own patriotism correct correct but and i just want to say i feel like it's important to look at our history and be really honest about it so we don't do it again Trevor Noah has a new stand-up special, and he does a bit in the beginning about Germany and their owning mm. of the Holocaust. It's worth watching. It's I pretty interesting. It. Because you put that against the backdrop of America trying to literally whitewash their history. Correct. It's really interesting. Um, Correct. And, you know, it's a lot of us know that Germany owns their history like that. I but um, to hear him put the two side by side is I've, quite stark difference. I've said that for a long time. In 2008, I went to Germany for a month. And Germany was like, I don't know if it was the Euro- European Cup or the World Cup, some big soccer hullabaloo. And you know how we see people with like, around here, it's Eagles flags sticking out of their windows yes. or Philly flags or whatever. Someone was telling me this is the first time they'd ever seen people flying German flags that way because Germans mm-hmm. don't know how to feel proud of their country. Because right. it's such a scary, slippery slope to nationalism and all that. Like, they're mm-hmm. so honest about it all mm-hmm. the time. Yeah. And I feel like we could learn a lot from that. Yeah. And and to your point, I have always been – I've always considered myself a very patriotic person. Mm-hmm. And that patriotism is rooted in the potential of what America could be. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like we're there yet. No. You know, have no, we been there at times? Maybe. Have we been moments. close in some moments? Maybe. But yeah. I see, and I've always felt this way. As a, I told you, as a little kid, I was writing letters to Reagan. I mean, I was right. always patriotic. Right. And I always feel like America could be something phenomenal. Agreed. And in many ways, she is. Mm-hmm. But she is not with, like, it's like a parent loving their child. They're not, not without, without faults. Fault. Come on. And owning those faults doesn't mean you don't like the thing anymore. It's just being honest. And I feel like actually it is more loving, more genuinely loving to be honest. I agree. I agree. So So I think that when I was a junior in high school and this happened, I might have even been, it was April of 93. Mm -hmm. I might have been a sophomore in high school. 
April nineteenth is the day that right because that's when Columbine happened as well and right the Murrah building and right yeah. every April nineteenth becomes a big day. Mm-hmm. So um, I I believe if I recall correctly that as a sophomore in high school I completely bought into the narrative of this was a dirty dangerous cult. Mm-hmm. They needed to be destroyed. The, the good guys tried to destroy them and they murdered them. And, you know, like I bought into all of that. Like, this is what kids hear and this is what kids believe. And that, you know, 1993, I was 16. I was a kid. Yeah. And this was so much of the journalistic narrative. But it's very- interesting that somebody in college with, you know, a little bit of learning in yeah. terms of critical bit- thinking. Yeah. Was able to it. see it differently. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. But I still believed like David Koresh and the Branch Davidians were bad. I just yes. didn't know if they had to do, I didn't know if the government had to do what they did to stop right. bad people. Right. And let's not forget that I bought the book. Yes, I know, honey. I was telling Todd this last night. <laughs> I, at the time, became very interested in Waco because I was a subversive teen. Like, I mm-hmm. just wanted to do whatever was anti popular. And so if hearing that Waco, the Branch of Ains were the bad guys, I wanted to like them and know them. Sure. Because that okay. was how I operated in the world. Sure. Makes sense. And um, so I bought the book Inside the Cult, the Branch Davidians. I probably still have it somewhere. It's a little paperback That's cover. That's amazing. And, <clears throat> excuse me, it was written by a survivor and his wife, I believe. And I told you the thing I remember from it is David Crush used to pull his poop out of his butt when he would be constipated. I know that's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that was the lasting impression I had from that book. <laughs> it's a level of detail I'm not sure I needed. Yeah, but yeah. I'm gonna look up who wrote that book while we while you. Okay, I'm, it I'm was curious. not David Thibodeau. I know that. Okay, um, and also I want to say that I watched the miniseries that was out a few years ago. That yeah, was I really that good. Yes, with really good. Um, with the beloved Taylor Kitsch, who was um, Tim Riggins on Friday Night Lights as David Koresh. Yeah, but he was somebody else. Who was he? Because he was all, also in that was the dude from, oh, here we go, Boardwalk Empire. Mm, yeah, there was a lot of good people in it. Um, Gary, Gary Nessner was played by Michael Shannon. Yes, and he was who played the FBI agent in Boardwalk Empire, which was fantastic. Yes, he was absolutely fantastic in it. Um, David Thibodeau was played by Rory Culkin. Did you know that? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there were quite a few people in that miniseries. And I thought that miniseries miniseries was really good. It was called Waco Mad Men or Messiah. Yeah, I really liked it as well. Mad Men or I feel like it was on early in the pandemic. I feel like I watched that then, but I could be wrong. I think you're right. I yeah. think you're right. So I feel who, like I feel like it was one of the early pandemic binges that everyone was talking about. So who wrote my book? I can't find your book. Oh, I'll find it. I had okay. it up not too long ago. Okay. Guys, the person who wrote the book that I read was Mark Brault. I don't know if he was the escapee or if he like wrote it with someone else. Mm. I feel but like he wrote called- it with someone else because that name doesn't ring a bell. Yeah, Martin King might have been the guy. Maybe. It's called Inside the Cult, a member's chilling exclusive account of madness and depravity in David Gresh's compound. And it's in paperback. And it was published June 1st, 1993. Wow. So it was real quick. So it was really quick. And I don't know if this person was in the raid. 
I don't know if this person like maybe escaped before. Do you know what I mean? Right. I don't know. Also, just to show you how good Amazon searches, I searched uh, Waco inside the Branch Davidians because that's what I thought it was called. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the options that came up was Black and Decker, the complete guide to plumbing. Okay. All right. So, you know, there you Amazon, go. go for it. So we are covering Waco, American Apocalypse 2023, Netflix. It is three episodes. It is, oh, the guy is Taylor. Schiller is his name? Mm-hmm. Is that his Tiller. name? Tiller. It's not Taylor. It's Tiller. It's T-I-L-L-E-R. Tiller Russell? Maybe. Yes. Yes. We're on And (laughs) we know him because he is the guy who also did Night Stalker, The Hunt for a Serial Killer, which was amazing. Yes, that was amazing. That was fantastic. And he also did, I want to say he also did one of those Manhunt episodes, the one for the Boston Bomber, I think. Okay. Okay. So he's he's kind of cult adjacent here. Okay. okay. This is this is what he's spending his time documenting, which yeah. is also And I'm okay great. with that. I'm okay with yeah, that. I'm totally fine with that. So we start with what we call in the podcast world the black screen of death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it says, in 1993, the government served a search warrant against David Crush for machine guns. What followed was the largest gunfight on American soil since the Civil War. That is so crazy to think about. It's crazy to think about. And even Timmy was watching this with me, my husband. He's like, is that right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, that's right. That's we right. We don't do this. Because we've never had a war in this country. Aside no. from the Civil War and the Revolution. We've not like, had a war on U.S. Since soil. the since Civil War. Then. Yeah. Yeah. Most of our wars, we just go elsewhere and do it. We Safe just rip up way. other countries. That's fine. that's fine. So we're going to start episode one. And I have some key figures here. I have them listed out. Um, David Crush, obviously. Vernon. What's his real name? Vernon Howell. Okay. Uh, Kathy Vern Sh- Troyer, not the right person at all. <laughs> Kathy Schroeder, mm-hmm. Branch Davidian, still in it. Still in it. <sighs> She's. Heather Jones. Her parents were raised in Mount Carmel. She was one of the kids released. Mm-hmm. David Thibodeau, a teen who needed attention and found a cult, which would have mm-hmm. been me. Right. <laughs> Lee Hancock, Dallas Morning News reporter. I love her. The one with love the short her black hair. Yep. I love her glasses. John Malcolmore, the TV reporter who was kind of on the scene through the whole mm-hmm. thing. Bill Buford from the ATF, bald guy with a goatee. I'm just describing them for you yeah. guys in case so you're, you watched track it. Who they are. Yeah. Jim Cavanaugh, ATF, sweet little grandpa with the blue shirt. This is mm-hmm. his description from me. <laughs> Bob Ricks, the FBI special agent in charge with a wild bouffant hairdo. Yes. Chris Whitcomb, the, the crazy sniper on the HRT. Yeah. Gary Nessner, a negotiator, and John Cox, a negotiator. Okay. And we'll meet more as we I Gary Nessner. I liked him, too. I, I loved, loved him. Too. Now, the well, we talked about that, the 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 dramatization that we saw, and he was played by Michael Shannon. He, like, he was so good in that. Like, I, that's where I mm-hmm. fell in love with him. I just mm-hmm. thought he seemed very, I mean, to be an FBI negotiator, you have to be <sighs> the calmest, coolest cucumber God ever created. It is wild, isn't it? It is a wild job. So... We have the opening montage and we get some information and we learn that the compound is 77 acres. Mm-hmm. It's just east of Waco, Texas. It's called Mount Carmel. People say they legit believed David was the son of God. Mm-hmm. Right now, I have to say something. Oh, God. Okay. Wow. Okay. Shame. <laughs> Shame. David Crush was Shame. a bad man. Okay. He was a bad Correct. man. Correct. By all Correct. accounts. Correct. Uh Uh-oh. 
Did I think he was a little cute? <laughs> of course you did. Of course you did. Because he was dirty. He played music. He was charismatic. I need I need to be put to sleep. <laughs> I'm a horrible human. Here's the thing. Like <clears throat> I'm going to say I'm going what I'm going to say is I hope people take it the right way. I think he was very smart. He actually okay, so here's the thing. I listened yeah. to his background, I'm sure you did too. Mm-hmm. Um so he actually was kind of an academic dummy. Mm-hmm. He failed first grade twice. He dropped out of school. He couldn't get anything right. He was kind of like this fumbly, bumbly. He was also like, dyslexic. Yes. And he had a bunch of other issues. Mm-hmm. However, like most, if you're a teacher, I was a teacher for a long time. We know kids learn differently. Yep. And th- he wasn't dumb. He just right. learned differently. And where this kid shone was with the Bible. Yeah. And he picked up that Bible and it was like, he just ran to the top of the class. I mean, as people talk about, he could recite any, any mm -hmm. word, anytime. Like he memorized. They said he was a Bible scholar. That's what they said about him. Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, he was misunderstood. He was kind of considered dumb and like a buffoon and they underestimated him completely. Is he a complicated now, historical figure? Now, he like would Jackie make, Overton. And, you know, after watching this, I regret putting him on my complicated historical figure board because okay. the whole sex with girls thing. Nope. Yeah, nope, no. He no, was gr- you're dead there was some me, real, mm-hmm. real gross, dark stuff. I mean, there was a lot of dark stuff happening in there. So even though I'm like, was he cute? I can't, I can't give it to him because. He's dead to you with the, yeah, the sex yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there you go. Now, okay. would 16-year-old Amy walk into his cult? A hundred and ten percent. I'm at a guitar center. He comes in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the followers are talking about how peaceful and loving it was at Mount Carmel. And law enforcement and the FBI and the reporters are saying things like, David Crush was having sex with underage girls. He took all the men's wives. He had 1.6 million rounds of ammunition. They were turning semi-automatic weapons into fully automatic weapons. And again, interspliced with that was, we were playing outside with our dads mm-hmm. and everything was great. And David loved each of us. Right. And then we get, you know, he was a scumbag. He was a con man. <laughs> it's, it's really interesting how people can have such divergent views of this man. Mm-hmm. So they say probably that probably both are right. I know, right? It's yeah. weird. So they say that the the core belief system and and this is an offspring of the Seventh Day Advent Ad, Adventist help me, Adventist Seventh Day Adventists who were really like their core belief is end of days, correct? Yeah. It's it's real apocalyptic book of revelations shit yeah. happening there. Yep. And he took on the book of revelations. He came obsessed with the book of revelations. Yeah. Which I feel like 16-year-old Jenny, my sister, would have oh, done she that. would have been into? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they believed the end was coming soon and that they were going to be in battle with the federal government. And that yeah. was how it was going to end. Right. That was okay. that was his view of the apocalypse. Other people have... We just started watching The Leftovers last night. Speaking oh, God, of I love that. Stuff. Yeah. We've, we've only watched one episode and we're like, the hell's happening. We need to keep going. But it's I good. love the kind of like apocalyptic thought i i don't love it personally did you I find watch it the silo did you watch the silo no not yet and that's also on our list okay we see david Co- david crush and he's preaching inside the compound and kathy tells us that she was always searching for god 
And she would just be looking up at the sky, waiting for God to come around, you know, whatever. And when she met David, she found her God. Mm-hmm. That was she her God. She still believes he was God. Yeah. Yeah. It's sad. At the detriment of her children, which is oh, real sad. Oh, 100%. We'll talk about it. So her and her husband and their kids went to Waco and wanted to live for God. Mm-hmm. Heather Jones says both of her parents were raised in Mount Carmel. So she was born into it, which was really interesting. So Mount right. Carmel started in the David 30s. Crash. Right. Mm-hmm. It started in the 30s. And the Branch Davidians, like, so their offshoot, I guess, was founded in 1955 by a guy named Benjamin Roden. Mm-hmm. So... And I guess they had moved locations at that point to the current compound. So anyway, so it's been around long enough that some of these kids are born into it. Right. Because I think we, as we, as, we, without knowing a lot about it, we assume like David Koresh showed up here, built this whole like community. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think it's easy to forget that it existed before he got there. Yes. Yes. In some form. So um, David Koresh is her uncle. She says the kids played in the yard. It was like having a hundred moms. Like it was really a great place to grow up. Kathy says they were living and doing God's will. We learned that David Thibodeau met David Koresh at a guitar center and fell under David Koresh's spell, which mm-hmm. get it. Mm-hmm. This, this is where Amy would have come in. Yes. Okay. So now we have the ATF attempted siege. Let's talk about this. Okay. So Lee Hancock from the Dallas Morning News, again, the woman with the short black hair, tells us that David Koresh convinced his followers that he were he was Christ and they were going to follow him into a fiery end. They would all die and come back with him as the second coming of Christ. So in order yes, to do. in order to facilitate this, they start amassing guns. Mm-hmm. OK, mm-hmm. Kathy says David Koresh always told them the government was coming for them. And they were buying and selling at gun shows. And the followers are like, it's Texas. Guns are like water. Guns are like the air we breathe. Like, this is Texas. Oh, God. Also, this is Cody could come into this as a gun seller? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> We've now come full circle. <laughs> this is also after Ruby Ridge. Right. That's another, that's another lens that we have to look through how the government handled this because they did not want another Ruby Ridge. Now, I will tell you that I don't know much about Ruby Ridge at all. Okay. I know. Here's what I know about it. Okay. Having done no research. Because I was sure. young. I, it was right. 92. I was even younger. Yeah. Um, The FBI or the government, whatever branch of the government handled that, fucked it up. Yeah. There was some guy who had like a bazillion guns and was holed up in his property. They were trying to seize it or arrest him or take him. They shot his wife, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it got bad. real bad. It got real bad. So let's just do a real quick here. Ruby Ridge was the site of, let me move my thing, of an 11 day siege of a cabin occupied by the Weaver family in Boundary County, Ohio, Ohio Idaho. Oregon. Oh, Idaho? Idaho? I thought it was in Oregon. Idaho. Okay. It was Idaho. Mm-hmm. August 1992. It began August 21st when deputies of the U.S. Marshal Service came to arrest Randy Weaver under a bench warrant after his failure to appear on federal firearms charge. During mm-hmm. the surveillance operation, Officer Rick Roderick and Re- Weaver's dog, when it ran, or shot Weaver's dog when it ran at them, and then pointed his rifle at we- Weaver's armed son, Sammy. Sammy then fired at the team who fired back. Blah blah blah. We had the host- hostage rescue team come in as well, and I really want to say that Gary N- Gary Nessner was there too. He was not there. Okay. They say that he was there in the miniseries, 
Okay, that's I just why read I'm this. It. Yeah, okay. and he wasn't there. Okay, that that's was why like I was a little bit of dramatization, but he wasn't okay. there. Yeah, but the government was absolutely looking at this through like we don't want another Ruby Ridge. Correct. Correct. A hundred percent. So, um, all right, where are we? Okay. So Lee says they were breaking federal laws by modifying guns. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So they also had live grenades. And how they found this was a UPS driver, UPS dr- drivers doing the Lord's work here. Seriously. Saw a grenade fall <laughs> out of a package. Can you imagine? There you are. Well, I mean, it's not, it wouldn't have been them, but like, there you are with your Amazon boxes of like toilet paper and thing. And then there's a box and a grenade falls out. I know. I know. (laughs) And they tipped off the sheriff who called in the ATF. Mm -hmm. Okay. Which is the right thing to do. Sure. Absolutely. You can't have, you can't have this. You can't have people amassing grenades. No. So Bill Buford is one of the ATF agents who was there. Jim Cavanaugh, grandpa, blue shirt. Mm -hmm. He tells us they had federal search warrants and arrest warrants. Bill Buford says they thought they had, I don't know, 40 to 50 machine guns and a dozen grenades. Mm -hmm. So they decided on a dynamic entry. You pull up, you get in the building before any of them have time to arm themselves. It's all based on the element of surprise. It was going to be February 28th. And the ultimate goal was just to arrest David Koresh and seize the weapons. That, that was the goal. What could go wrong, Amanda? What could possibly go wrong? And theoretically, if you are the government, again, I don't want to be a U.S. government apologist because I think there's, I think so much went wrong on every side here. But mm-hmm. if you are believing that they are amassing weapons, this is against the law. This is what you have to do. Oh, I will say I do not think that yeah, the I government was all in the wrong here. And we'll no, get into I don't that. Think so there either. are yeah. parts where they were, first of all, they were, we'll get into it, but. When there's children at harm's yeah. risk, you know yeah. what I mean? So they're in this compound. They have all of these children in there, and they have live grenades. They have machine guns. Like, they had to do something. What could go wrong? Now, the podcast I listened to was really interesting. It was the official podcast. You listened to it as well. Because mm-hmm. Tiller brought up the point of why didn't the FBI just arrest him away from the compound? Right. He did that leave. Would, right. He left frequently. Right. So why didn't they just arrest him? I think they were. I think they wanted to get in there because I think they were afraid if they arrested him outside the compound, there was a plan in place, which there right. was. There was. And they would there incite was. them to do more violence. Yes. I get it. So John Malcolmore, a TV reporter, gets this call that this is going down. And the FB, and the ATF agents were in their undercover house close by. And Robert Re, Re, uh, Rodriguez was one of mm-hmm. these undercover agents and we met him in the miniseries right you see you see house yes and um they were pretending to be college students it's so bizarre okay. i know it's so crazy <laughs> so that would be like amanda and me pretending right now to be college students like whoa let's go to the club and like we're <laughs> home by 10 30 all right so the followers go and they grab breakfast. Everything's normal. The news crew pulls over on the road and they wait. So John Malcolmore, he's pulled over. He's waiting. He gets a call from one of the photogs who got lost and couldn't find the place. Mm-hmm. And he's on the phone with the guy. And the guy, Jim Peeler, who is to blame for a little bit of this, yeah, decides he's going to flag down a passing mailman and ask him, how do I get to that crazy cult place? Because there's an FBI raid going down and I need to be there. To take the pictures. Uh, mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you're unaware that the postman is a member of the crazy cult. It's Heather Jones' father. Exactly. exactly. And he runs scoop speed back to Waco 
and immediately tells them. Sure. Robert Rodriguez is in there. He's like, oh, Jesus Christ. He's in a Bible study with Koresh when they, Steve Schneider, Koresh's right-hand guy, comes in. Oh, my God, they're coming, blah, blah, blah. Rodriguez thinks he's being made. It's a whole thing. Okay. Ro- listening to the interview with Robert Rodriguez was really interesting. How he really ingratiated. I mean, he really went in undercover. He, he really did. And one of his... I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole here, but one of his things was one of his undercover specialties was really acclimating to the environment. Mm-hmm. And one of his things is he was ne- he would never call Koresh. He right. always wanted Koresh to call him and invite him in because that's way less obvious. Yep. And the one time he had to go in, he said Koresh made him. So, yep, but, and, and there out. are many accounts that say Crash knew this was an FBI undercover. Like, he was no dummy. He figured it all yeah. out. Yeah. You run a cult, you know how to read people. That's right. So, Rodriguez gets out and he runs to the undercover house. He calls the ATF. He's like, we're done. We're done. Like, they know. They know you're coming. Element of surprise is gone. <clears throat> the special, the assistant special agent in charge says, nope, we're going in anyway. We're doing it. Now we're doing it faster. We're doing it right now. Right. Because we can't fuck around anymore because we've now been figured out. And Bill Buford is like, no, 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 no. But okay. Like I have to do what I'm told. That's so I think that's where I have sympathy for the agents involved because these agents are just doing what they're told. Mm -hmm. And sort of like soldiers in the military. Yeah. They're like they do what they're told for the for what they believe is the betterment of this country and right. you can't hold it against them. No, they're they are following the they are completing the mission yep. which they have with which they have been charged. Mm-hmm. What I think was really interesting and I'm sure you'll go down this rabbit hole is how uncoordinated each of these groups oh, were yeah. and that's the problem. Yes, that's the problem. Okay. So Bill's like we lost the element of surprise, we're doomed, whatever. Now we see helicopters approaching mm-hmm. the compound. And Bill basically is like, this was going to be a fucking bloodbath and we knew it. Like this yep. going in, he said two truckfuls of agents were coming in with the tarp over them. Oh, Jesus. And he said they had on flak jackets and helmets and basically raid gear. And they were all squeezing one another's hands because they kind of knew they were going into what could be a fatal situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine that? No. So Jim Cavanaugh's like, this was real dumb because when we got there, like if you looked at the compound, they had the high ground. They had a tower. They had, you know, all these areas that were were real bad for us. Mm-hmm. So I don't, you know, this was this was a dumb thing to do. Thibodeau claims that David Crush was all calm and he just planned on going out and chatting to the agents. He was just gonna go out and be like, Hey, what's up, guys? <laughs> Have a little DJ. Yeah, <laughs> it's <me DK>. So <laughs> Bill says um, the they were squeezing each other's hands. Okay, then he says David Koresh sticks his head out and tells them to get off his property. And we do see him. Mm-hmm. And they say they have a warrant and he slams the door. Thibodeau says David was like, here's what David did. He went down and he opened the door and he said, oh, hey, guys, wait, there's women and chip. And he didn't even get children out, and they started just shooting at him randomly. Right. Now, we don't know who, who shot first. The yeah. uh, the, mil- the military, listen to me. The law enforcement says that the Branch of Indians did. 
the Branch Davidians say, law enforcement, that may never be solved. No. We don't know who did. No. I don't feel comfortable saying who did. You probably don't, I don't feel either. comfortable saying who did. No. So we don't know. Um, I will guarantee you it did not go down like that. Like David no. <laughs> Thibodeau was saying. There are children. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Come David on. Thibodeau, he's a complicated historical. <laughs> he's a complicated historical. I find it fascinating. Okay. So Bill says, we absolutely did not shoot first. In fact, we heard the M60 and the 50 caliber first, and we didn't have those weapons. Mm -hmm. Jim says, well, we knew the warrant was good because we heard those machine guns. Right. I mean, that's the proof. If there was any question, the fact that all of a sudden these people are, you know, the Branch Davidians are shooting people with automatic mm -hmm. weapons proves mm -hmm. that yeah, I they agree. were breaking the law. So Jim says... Uh, I mean, it gets, let me back up. This is all unseen footage. We've never mm -hmm. seen this before. It's mm -hmm. unaired. It is real bad. I mean, there is just so 25 minutes of shooting. Yeah. you. It literally gave me anxiety watching the entire thing. It was the terrifying. News, the news reporters are in the middle of it. Uh-huh. Like, they're running interference. They're trying to, you know, they're yelling and helping the, the ATF. And it is wild. It is complete chaos that went off the rails so fast. And it becomes pretty evident pretty quickly that the ATF has to retreat. Mm -hmm. They have to get out of there. Mm -hmm. So I wrote, the footage is super intense. Bill walks us through it. And it's interesting having Bill walk us through it because he's like, there I am right there with the red stripe on my helmet. Yeah. There I am. You know, like we see him, which is wild. They try to go in the windows. They're shot. They're shooting people in the windows. Heather says David Koresh's wife was shot in front of her. She's crying about it. David Koresh took fire. Mm -hmm. um, the ATF gets out of there after they managed to call a ceasefire. So we hear this audio of this ATF agent who is down. Yeah. And he's bleeding out and it's really bad. And he's begging them to come and get him and save him. And they can't. They can't get anywhere near him until they get mm -hmm. a ceasefire. So like they're working frantically on getting this ceasefire. They get it. They get to him. They manage to save his life somehow. If you could see these guys, guys, if you haven't watched this, you need to watch this. It's because so seeing them and then hearing they use, Tiller uses the white buffaloes, wish it was true, right over the top of this, mm -hmm. which is perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. Really, it's really powerful. It's really These powerful. men are crying about it 30 years later. Yeah, yeah. And they're putting, they didn't have enough vehicles or ambulances to get these guys out of there. They put Bill Buford on the hood of the, mm -hmm. of Bill, Ma of uh, Jim Macklemore's, John Macklemore's uh, Car. news van. Yeah. And he's driving without being able to see. Somebody yeah. is like, like navigating. It's wild. The yeah. retreat is wild. So the TV guy, the photog, hides the tape and smuggles it out of there while they're being screamed at. This footage hits the news. And what people hear is four law enforcement people are dead and 12 yep. are injured. Four federal agents are dead and 12 are injured. We have no idea how many Branch Davidians are dead. No, Nobody gives a shit or says anything. Cared. Yeah, exactly. Mm -mm. Nope. Okay. So the question then becomes who shot? first right there are, there are like three central questions around waco who shot first who lit the fires mm -hmm. and what was happening in that compound yeah and 
I think we have pretty good answers on what was happening in the compound. Yes. I think I have a idea, an opinion of who started the fires. I have an opinion too. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we know who shot first. Mm-hmm. I don't think we I don't know. think we do either. Mm-mm. So the FBI is now called in because four federal agents were killed in this raid and they're required to investigate the murder of federal, federal agents. So Ricks says that the eight Ricks is kind of a dick. I'm just mm-hmm. going to put I'm it I'm not a fan. There. Not a fan. Mm-mm. He says the ATF requested help from the FBI in the form of negotiators and the HRT. Mm-hmm. The HRT is the hostage rescue rescue team. I'm thinking it's like a Navy SEAL situation. I think it's the best of the best of negotiators and people who know how to get people out of sticky, sticky situations. Yeah. And don't forget, this is the unit that was at Ruby Ridge. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this exact unit was If these were the same people, but it was the same organization. Same organization. So they are the absolute last resort for the government in a hostage situation. Mm-hmm. So you're being held hostage. The HRT is... You know, if they can't save you, you're fucked. You're done. Right. We're starting with negotiators, and then if that doesn't mm-hmm. work, we go in. So Jim Cavanaugh at the ATF begins the negotiations with Koresh. Mm-hmm. And David Koresh, they learn pretty quickly, just wants press, and he wants media, and he wants to get his word out. Yep. He wants to be on TV. He's God. He believes he's God, and he wants to be on TV so he can send his message to the world. Yep. So he was demanding the local media play a message from him, and each time they played it, he would release two kids, two by two. Mm -hmm. They do this for a couple hours. We see Scott and Chrissy. They're Kathy's kids. Jim said they considered law enforcement to be evil, so the moms releasing these kids to, quote-unquote, Babylon, sending them out into the nightmare. Utterly terrifying. The moms were- I feel awful for these parents. I do, too. I do, too. Especially somebody like Heather Jones, who just grew up in this. Right. She she didn't know anything else. Her parents Mm -hmm. grew up in it. Like, they knew nothing else. Nothing else. So the moms were, like, kind of pissed at David Crash. They were like, we don't want to send them out there. So Jim Cavanaugh comes up with this idea that you send the kids out, they'll come right to me, Mm -hmm. and I'll put them on the phone with you and the moms. Yep. This was his thing. I'll show you right away that they're okay. Which was brilliant. Yeah. So Kathy says it was hard, but they did believe, and she did believe in David, so she, she did it. The kids go to gym, the kids call, David Koresh, you know, we hear we hear the recordings and they play them for Kathy and she listens and tells us, you know, what was going through their heads. She said, we didn't think, like, it's hard to look at this. This is from Kathy. It's hard to look at this and think, how could you not want to save your kids? Mm-hmm. She said, but that's not what we saw it as. Right. We saw it as we had to get David's message out and sacrificing our kids was just the way to do it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that is, that's indoctrination and brainwashing. Yeah. To an, such an extreme level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you are doing this and what you think you're doing is the right thing for your children, yeah. even if it's just wild. It's, it's wild. wild. And she said, we didn't care about living. I cared about living for God. We need eyes on that line. We need eyes on this woman in current day because I'm worried. Where is she? Well, she is a fascinating person. So now we have a new negotiator. Jim's exhausted, but also they had to transition from the ATF to the FBI. 
So they bring in Gary Nessner, and he is the mm-hmm. one who was played by Michael Shannon in the miniseries. And Jim says the ATF and the FBI are like bros, but, you know, we do fight, but we mm-hmm. have each other's back generally. So Gary takes over. He's very complimentary to Jim. Jim did a great job, but, mm-hmm. you know, get out and let the big boys play. He right. Says. Let, let the person who's trained to do this do mm-hmm. this. And Gary Nessner, I guess, was the head of everything and wouldn't normally be on the phone, but he had nobody else there. Mm-hmm. He just was the first one who got there and it was like, okay, I guess I'm doing this. Yep. So we know, they know David Crush is shot. Mm-hmm. We know that he's agitated with the switch. We hear the recordings. We hear all these recordings. Yeah, which is fascinating. Fascinating. And I get it because like Jim, had, he and Jim had built a rapport. And now from David Koresh's perspective, he has he's some stranger on, on that he has no trust of. Yep. So, um... Sniper Chris, who is, I don't know, ready to smash some skulls, is what I'm feeling. <laughs> That's the vibe I'm getting from him. This little aggro. He says, there was no perimeter around Mount Carmel. Did you hear the interview with him where he talked about how he went through, like, every religion? Mm-hmm. And even, like, tried out David Koresh's religion? Yeah, to see tried everything. He, yeah. Judaism. He was raised Catholic, realized that didn't Mormonism. Work. He tried Mormonism. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> All of them. And, and he lands like an atheist. Ag- right. He said um, he was agnostic for a while and then he was like, no, nothing. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. So he says one of the problems is there was no perimeter around Mont, Car- Mont Carmel. We had no eyes on the back of the place. We had no idea what was going on and that was dangerous. Mm-hmm. So we found an aban- we were in an abandoned farmhouse a mile away and that we had a good picture of the front. But he says, you know, it was crazy because there was like this large structure just in the middle of nothing. Mm-hmm. And think about like the difference in technology today. That thing would be covered in drones. Oh, hundred percent. They'd have eyes on every square inch of that property. A hundred percent. Thirty mm-hmm. years ago, we didn't have that. Mm-mm. Hey everyone, stay tuned. Little Miss Recap will be right back after these words. Wow! Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. You guys know I'm a huge fan of therapy, but what you may not know is you don't need to be in crisis to get help. See, we all carry around stressors, big and small, whether it's stuff at work, stuff with our kids, caring for our parents, even navigating friendships. Therapy is a safe place to work through those challenges. Therapy has also been a lifeline as I parent my teenage daughters. Working through some of my own stuff has made me a better mom. If you're thinking of starting, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and it's designed to fit your schedule. BetterHelp matches you with a licensed therapist who fits your needs. And you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Little Miss Recap today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Little Miss Recap. 
So in the first few days, they got 20 people out. Most of them were kids. David Crash said he would come out. He would come out and his followers if they gave him a national broadcast. He makes a 58-minute sermon. And he wanted it on the Christian Broadcasting Network. I'm like, dude, <laughs> Amos, you really NBC, come on, do yeah, something. You want to get your word out. We're going ABC, NBC, CBS. <laughs> so they play it, and he, he could have even, what was it, what year was this? 93? They could have put on QVC. It would have got more viewers, I bet. That's true. So they play it, and he says he'll come out peacefully and immediately. And then Koresh would come out first, and everyone else, and then last would be Steve Schneider. Kathy says, Coming out meant every, giving up everything you believe. Mm-hmm. And Thibodeau says, we honestly thought if we came out, they would shoot us. Now they're talking to David Crush, and he begins to stall. And he's like, mm, I don't know. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I got to put Steve on the phone. So Steve gets right. on the phone. He's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God, Gary. Uh, turns out God wants us to wait. Oh, wait. David's getting a call from God. Hold on. <laughs> Oh, I'm back. Yeah, God said we gotta wait. We gotta wait this out. <laughs> the FBI's like, "What the fuck, dude?" David's on the God phone right now. I'll let you know what the message is yep. when we're done. So they were not coming out. Episode two starts with Jeff Jamar. He is the FBI head dude, and he's giving a press conference, and he's saying they want no bloodshed. That 20 children, 47 women, and 43 men were still inside mm-hmm. at this point. Ricks says, we now know this will not turn out well and that David Crush is controlling everyone. And they're saying this all based on the fact that he will not come out. Right. And if he comes out, this is over. Mm-hmm. If he comes out, says, I'm coming out, you know, it's over. David Crush says, no one believed in Christ either. You know, he had to die for them to believe him. Right. Right. Now, Sniper Chris says, this amped up their plans. They needed to secure the perimeter now because that now they know Crash is not coming out. He's not playing with them. You know, he's not cooperating. They decide to set up this abandoned garage behind the property, but they had to drive past the compound to get to it. Mm-hmm. And so they're rolling through there in fucking tanks and shit. And David Crash is not happy about this. Right. He's on the phone going like, what are you doing? Right. Why are, why are there tanks showing up? And the negotiators are like, what is happening? Right. This is where it starts falling apart. This is where it starts falling apart. don't have a coordination between ATF, the FBI, the HRT. There's no, there's no head dog in charge. Right. You need a head dog in charge. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Department, Department of Justice is, so this is why Janet Reno yes. was lambasted yes. to hell. Yes. yes. Yeah. So this is the beginning of these two arms of the same agency undermining one another. David Crush is on the phone. Gary freaking out that these vehicles are surrounding the property. Gary knows nothing about it. The HRT finally secures the garage. They have a perimeter. Now, at this point, Kathy says, and this is what leads me to believe the Branch Davidians started the fire. Okay. That's my belief. I believe they started it too. Kathy says, we had a plan to commit suicide if they entered the building. Yep. I had a grenade and we all did. And we also know part of what's not talked about in this documentary and they could have put this in very easily is that the fbi had been sending in recording devices all along Mm -hmm. they were sending them in milk cartons they were sending them in deliveries so there was that's where we're getting all that audio that's inside that's not over the telephone it's not over the phone yeah and they had heard them and they played the tapes they had heard them talking about having kerosene having hay 
being raised at the place on fire if something happened. Yeah. Also, I read a thesis by a student who did their like doctorate on this. Okay. And they did all the Freedom of Information Act stuff to get all the recordings released. And they sure. said they 100% started the fire, the Branch Davidians. Okay. I, I believe so, they did. Yeah, I believe, I they, believe did. they did. So Ricks says the HRT just wanted to get in there and get it done. And we wanted to establish trust and take time. Mm -hmm. But the HRT saw David Koresh and his followers as criminals and murderers. Now, Jeff Jamar was hearing a gentle approach from Gary and a harder and more aggressive approach from the HRT. And he was often siding with the HRT and letting them do what they want. Why? Because this was costing a lot of fucking money. Uh-huh. And the every day I'm I remember seeing the news. Every day that just this just ticked on, ticked on, ticked on. Look way worse for the federal government. Yeah. They're like, we we can't keep we can't hit 30 days of this. We can't hit 40 no. days of this. Like mm -mm. this has gotta stop. Sniper it makes Chris, us look weak. It makes the federal government look really weak. A hundred percent. But I don't we'll talk about it at the end. Hold on. Okay. Cause I, I don't think he would ever have come out. Mm -mm. I don't That's think so either. My, I mean, he said he had had to write a book. Yeah, he was very busy. Okay. So <laughs> Sniper Chris says, we had the same goal. And he brings up a good point here. He says, it's a completely different mindset when you're used to busting into a place, securing it, and getting everybody out, as opposed to spending time with people, earning their trust, trying to get mm -hmm. them to change their mind. He says, it's a different mindset. The goal is the same. The way yes. you get to the goal is vastly different. Yes. So we see footage of Gary telling the other negotiators, we can't pay attention to what's going on out there. Mm -hmm. We need to focus on Koresh and us, and that's it. We're ignoring the HRT. We're ignoring whatever. All right. So the negotiators now are taking the stance of, like, we're trying to separate ourselves from mm -hmm. the men in the backyard with the guns pointed at you. <laughs> Gary tells us David is hurt. He's been shot. And we see video of him showing the bullet holes. The next tactic was they wanted to convince him that he needed medical attention. So they told him they showed the video to a doctor and the doctor's like, oh, that looks infected. Now, right. what did they show to Doc Baker? I mean, <laughs> come on. <laughs> well, you might die. You might not. We don't know. Time will tell. Who was the doc? So we've got doctor on a little house. Who was the doctor on the love boat? Oh, doc. um, Doc. Yeah, doc, just doc. Yeah. he was not Both a fucking doctor either. No, <laughs> of course not. So Kathy says he was 33 and shot up. So there was a lot of similarities between him and Christ, you know, because when Christ was shot up. Right. I mean, you know, it, mm -hmm. he was he was that time's version of shot up. And yeah. they were both 33. Okay. okay. So Gary's like, we're rooting for him to die at this point or to come out for medical assistance. Like that's mm -hmm. what needed to happen. Now Thibodeau's mom, Belinda, shows up and she's pleading to talk with David, her son, David, not David Crash. Right. But she says the FBI won't let her do that. And they have a strict policy against that. And I kind of get it. I kind of get They're it. They're like, we don't want to give them things. They need to understand they can only go through us. Right. That's how the trust is built. Exactly. And so, then that becomes a that becomes a carrot to dangle. Yes. Yes. You want to talk to your family? Your mom is right here. Mm-hmm. You come out. Your mom is right here waiting for you. Yep. So she confronts, and they didn't know that what this woman would say to him. Mm -mm. No, and that's the other thing. Mm -hmm. So she confronts Ricks at a press conference. Media coverage is really heating up over this. Now everybody's mm -hmm. into it. I loved her at the press conference. <clears throat> Me too. Yeah. 
The FBI is doing research on David Crash, and they find an ex-girlfriend who says he had a, quote, breakdown in 1979 and had hallucinations and he was talking to God. Oh, good. Nothing ever goes wrong there. I don't know if we learned this or if I did outside research on this, but he had a rough upbringing. We learned it in the doc, I think. He dropped out of school. He was abused. He came to the Branch Davidians as a young, quiet, kind of goofy guy, and he befriends Lois Roden. And Lois Roden was the wife of Benjamin Roden, the founder who had died. So she was at least 50 years older than him, and he seduces her and starts banging her. God. Which is a baller move. I have to say, you go in there and you just bang the oldest, most powerful person. (laughs) (laughs) So when she dies, her son and David Crash fight for leadership, okay? He gathers up a posse and he kill tries to kill the son. Mm-hmm. And he admits this on tape. He's like, we were shooting at him just to scare him. <laughs> okay. Look what this is not funny. It's ludicrous is the reason I'm it's laughing. It's ludicrous. George was slightly injured. So David Crash gets arrested for attempted murder and it was a hung jury. So he gets off. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, in 1992, a current affair did an expose on the Branch Davidian. So the FBI gets the tape and, like, the raw footage and everything, and they're watching it. Do you remember a current affair? Oh, I sure do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zoom. With that big, like, triangle. Zoom. Yep. Yep. It showed that David Crush had a revelation that he needed to take the other wives. Okay, mm-hmm. so David Koresh... And, you know, his followers and everyone who escaped kind of talk about this. This was, this is verified as, mm-hmm. as much as it could be. And David Crush admits it on tape that he had a 14 year old wife. Yep. Whose parents, her name was Rachel, whose parents gave permission for her to be married to him at 14. Way to go, parents. Yeah. And quality that, parenting there. then one day he decided he wanted to also be married to her 12 year old sister. So that happened. Then he decided that he needed to start sleeping with everybody's wife Mm -hmm. and that the men could not have sex. Right. He's the only one. And everyone becomes his wife. And let me tell you something. There are a lot of things, you know, that are putting the pressure. This is turning into a pressure cooker. Uh You have a bunch of men around who can't bang their wives, who can't, you know what I mean? Or watching their wives bang this guy, literally or figuratively, they're wa- like Kathy gets pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing that would have turned me into a monstrous rage and had me become a crazy cult member, David Crash has the only air conditioning in the building. Oh, fuck no. <laughs> so no one has running water. No one has electricity. And now David Crash has the only air conditioning. Oh, I'm sorry. He has electricity. He has the air conditioning. Yeah. Yep. No. So that, no, yeah. that would. That would be where I'm done. That'd be I, a deal breaker hot. for me. I'd be running out there with my arms up in the air. Take me. I'm like, yours. Quickly. It's hot here. It's fucking Texas, man. It's hot. Now we have the the breakdown of communication. There's a 50 caliber weapon pointed at Sniper Christ, supposedly. Sniper mm-hmm. Chris, not Christ. Sniper no. Christ, I just called him. New character alert. <laughs> Sniper Christ would have been like a grunge band in the 90s. Can you see that? Sniper Christ that out of been Seattle? That Crush's band name, I think. Hashtag <laughs> <Sniper>. band name. <laughs> so the head of the HRT calls the negotiators and he's like, 
David Crash is pointing a 50 caliber weapon. I don't know anything about guns, but this 50 caliber weapon sounds real bad. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know anything either, but it's bad. Yeah. And they're like, you know, get him to put it down. And David Crash is on the phone saying, I don't know what you're talking about. It's a whole thing. So what happens is the negotiators get David Crash to stand down. Mm-hmm. But the HRT then is pissed because they've lost sight of the 50 caliber now. I right. don't know what they wanted them to do then. I don't either. Uh, me either. Sniper felt real janky. You need to get your shit together. Sniper <laughs> Christ. Get it together, man. Come on. So now there's a back and forth on day 10 with Crush saying, I have something that could blow your vehicles 50 feet in the air. So the FBI brings in huge armored vehicles now. Right. Because <laughs> you can't blow those in the air as easily. And uh, the rhetoric is getting real heated. David Crush is releasing tapes of kids saying God is going to destroy our enemies. It's real bad. It is. Okay, now a, a key mistake is made. Okay, the, the FBI could point to like three things that really turn this mm-hmm. sideways. The negotiators decide to send in a tape of the released kids playing in a group home. Mm-hmm. And Kathy sees her kid, Brian, looking upset. Yeah, I need eyes on Brian currently. I do too. What is, what is Brian's life like yeah. right now? Is Brian He's- with his mom? Like what's happening? He looked upset, and the reason why his brothers and sisters, Kathy's ex-husband came down and was like, give me my fucking kids. I'm out of here. Right. So he lost his brothers and sisters. So he's all so, by himself. Right. I think he would not have been nearly as upset if he'd been with his siblings. Right. And yeah. yeah. So they lure her out with Brian, and when they get her out, they fucking arrest her. I know. And Gary is irate. Uh-huh. He's like, people inside are watching what is going to happen to them when they come out and you're throwing them in jail, you idiots? Right. They let her see her kid for a minute and then they arrest her. David I'm not saying Kathy. Irate. I'm not saying Kathy shouldn't have been arrested. Like that. But if you're. Well, I'm not saying she should or shouldn't have been arrested. I'm not. I have no comment on that for that. She should not have been arrested, in my opinion. Yeah. Stupid. But this fucked everything up. And I'm only saying that because I want leniency when I eventually fall into a cult and I have to come out. I can't be arrested. I'll make sure you're not arrested. So if you get shot, though, I will make sure the iPad is in the. Please do. Please do. So Sniper Christ now tells us that one (laughs) night at 2 a.m. He had the opportunity for a headshot on David Crush and he could have taken him out right there and he would have went to jail. And I wrote, "Mm, what do you have, though? You're a white dude in law enforcement. Would you have gone to jail? After this 40-day siege or whatever. Probably not. Mm -hmm. Not saying he should have done it. I'm just saying. No, I'm glad he didn't do it because we do not want our government shooting us with impunity. Don't tell us that you would have gone to jail because that is not a certainty. No. Um, He says, you know, but I would have saved lives. Okay. so he's not wrong. Episode three comes up. So Dick Dick DeGurin. Dick DeGurin shows up okay now if that name sounds familiar it's because he also defended robert durst mm-hmm. this guy's got a real good history of picking them he's hired to res- represent crush by bonnie haldeman crush's mom mm-hmm. and the fbi decides okay we're gonna work together here you want him out we want him out mm-hmm. dick DeGurin wants nothing more than david crush in a courtroom he says it so many times i think he's getting a little chub over it he's like i, I want so you do. in the courtroom like what do you want to do to him in the courtroom? <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Well, if you think about it, if you're like somebody who's like this nationally famous defense attorney or wanting to be one, mm-hmm. you want to get the biggest story that all America's talking about all day, every day. True. In 
courtroom. True. Well, he failed. So <laughs> the FBI claims, you know, we're going to put you on the phone with them. We're not going to listen in. But they're 100% listening in. It's like, um, here, you pretend you do the two-way conversation. Okay. You're okay. Dicker and talking to David Crash. Go ahead. So, David, what I want you to do is um, when when they ask you to send out children. <laughs> That's what like, it was like. like <laughs> come on, dude. Yeah, you hear the beep of the recording. <laughs> you can hear. You can hear. Did you ever watch um, the special about the mafia tapes when they did? What is that called? How they brought them down. The RICO Act. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. And the FBI agents are sitting there like chain smoking, listening. That's what you hear. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway, so they're listening. And um, David Crash tells Dick that he was willing to go in and talk with the FBI, but the FBI did not want any part of it. Mm-mm. And Dick DeGuerin's like, I don't know. He sounds reasonable to me. David Crash sounds like a normal dude to me. And he's like, you know, I think I could get him out. So everybody's like, okay, Dick DeGuerin, hey, we'll new hero. Both. Okay. Hey, everything else we've done thus far has failed, so let's give you a shot. Bring them in. On March 21st, a bunch of people get released, and Gary says, our strategy was starting to work. We Mm -hmm. had Dick DeGuerin assuring David Crush he was not going to go to jail. We had, you know, the HRT seemed to be a little quiet for a while, and then all of a sudden, for no fucking reason, the HRT (laughs) starts driving tanks over David Crush's classic cars. I know. I will tell you, just being married to a car guy, this is the equivalent of, like, killing your child in the street. I know. I know. It, you can't do that. Gary Mm-mm. Nestor's like, what is the rationale here? Right. He's so vi- he's so angry. And like, I think he has now. a right to be so mm-hmm. angry. Mm-hmm. Ricks is like, this was one of the hardest days because we thought people were coming out, but David Koresh got real, real, real mad at us. So now Jeff Jamar tells Gary they needed to speed this up because it's costing like a million dollars a day. And, you know, we don't have Ain't any nobody money got time for this. Okay. Right. So they're, they're ratcheting the pressure up now. And this is where we see them blasting the music and bizarre sounds 24-7. David Thibodeau says they had the phone off the hook the neat, 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 oh, for like 48 hours straight. And I'm there's not- kids in there. And there's kids in there. I I can't think of how absolutely mind numbing that has to be. Well, I will tell you that Gary says aggravation and deprivation techniques undermine everything we are trying to do mm-hmm. and also probably hurt children psychologically. Sure. I mean, so, but the HRT unilaterally decided to do this, he says. Mm-hmm. And they're playing this shit at 130 decibels, which is real, real loud. Real, that's way louder than my hair dryer when my Apple Watch yells at me. Oh, okay. Because quite often I'll listen to a podcast while I'm drying my hair, mm-hmm. and then my watch is like, you're in a loud environment. So would your watch be going off if you were in the compound? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> concert. It'd be like, your body heat is 110. <laughs> Get in oh, that God. air conditioning. Yeah, you know what? Would, You're a lady you, of a certain age without air conditioning. This is not going to work. You would have to try to bang Koresh just to get into the air conditioned tower. Worth it. So you'd have to do the Kathy. She describes it like a Bible study. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, we'll call that yes. Bible study. Okay. They were having sex, and he was doing Bible study the whole time. <laughs> what a Bible turn study! Okay. <laughs> yeah, that, so it's going to get me into a tizzy real quick. So Thibodeau says 
we're all mentally unstable and you're trying to make us more mentally unstable? Yeah. What's going on here? Gary's pissed and they get rid of him. They ship him off. Gary, you're mm-hmm. done here. Psh, get out. Now they send Dick Durbin, Dick DeGurbin in again. And HRT is against this. FBI is just trying to, you know, hang on here. And Thibodeau's like, we really thought Dick DeGurbin would save us. Like, our rights were being trampled on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Were they? Were they? I mean, you can't have that amount of ammunition. No. You can't be, you know, squirreling away a lot of grenades. No, and you can't be banging underage kids. That's, so there's that. that's the bigger problem. Well, that's not the bigger problem. That's a very big problem. So Dick DeGurbin says he went in there and... He wasn't worried about the Branch Davidian shooting him. He was worried the snipers would shoot him. Mm-hmm. And he says it's stunk in there like sewage and garlic. Mm. I'm curious about the garlic piece. They said the, the, he, they were using it as a homeopathic Oh, cure. right, on David's. Yeah. 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 He told David, I want to get you in court. Oh, I want to get you in court, baby. I want to bend you <laughs> over the defendant's. Like, what? Wow. Okay. That took a turn. <laughs> he said he had been told by God. David said now that he had been told by God that it was his mission to write his interpretation of the book of Revelations. And, you know, I'm taking my time, taking my Mm -hmm. time. And as someone who's been under pressure to get out of manuscript, I totally relate to this. Yeah. 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 If I could have held the country hostage while I was writing Fat Girl Skinny, I would have. I would (laughs) have. Don't rush me. Right. So it's day 48 and people who are into gun rights and militia people show up and we see Timothy McVeigh. And he's selling... Anti-government bumper stickers. Sure is. Sure is. Now the press is waiting for David Crush to finish his manuscript. And everybody's just sitting around like, talk about fucking pressure. The entire country's waiting for you to finish your manuscript. (laughs) And Rick's is like, this might be another stalling tactic. And Dick DeGurban's like, no, 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 no. He's really writing the book of Revelation. Give him time. Give him time. (laughs) He's hand hand writing it. So Steve Schneider tells the negotiators that all the tanks and shit are, are really fucking with David's creative process. Like, what are you doing? You, you're a writer. I've written. You can't mm-hmm. have tanks there. That's not going to help you. <laughs> Finally, Briggs is like, okay, I've had enough of this. Great. We're Fuck done. <laughs> We're done. So Dick Roberts, the head of the HRT, goes to meet with Janet Reno. And Reno has to be the one to say, okay, you could use tear gas. Mm-hmm. Lee says they should have shown Janet Reno the videos with David Crush being sweet with the kids and being gentle, but they didn't show her that. I'm like, but he's banging them. Right. It's not okay. No, it's not okay. So she was, Janet Reno was going off of the evidence that she had, which was the file, including a lot of testimony from former members who said there were definitely child sexual abuse happening. Mm-hmm. So Reno gives the order. April 19th, 1993, the FBI calls Steve Schneider inside. This is, okay, this is horrific. I just want to say this. Yeah. But it, there's also little element of absurdity to this part that made me want to chuckle okay but i can't okay and that is the fbi heading towards you in a tank screaming this is not an assault (laughs) i'm like "Mm." is it they call schneeve snyder and they're like this is not an assault we're not entering the building but we're tear gassing the fuck out of you and steve snyder goes this is not an assault and he hangs up (laughs) as someone who has actually been tear gassed it's not fun 
You've been tear gassed? Yes. Oh, God. Were you in the library too late? <laughs> <laughs> no, my dorm was tear gassed. So mm. I went to the University of Delaware. And I lived um, on Christiana Towers, if anyone knows anything about the University of Delaware, 16-story dorm apartment type thing. And uh, it was the Thursday before Thanksgiving, and some kid got really pissed off as he was studying that the people in the hall were being loud. And so he had stolen uh, military tear gas from Aberdeen Proving Ground and set it off. Wow. So you weren't tear gassed by law enforcement. You were tear gassed by... Like Fellow student. A, a motherfucker trying to cause trouble. A motherfucker trying to cause trouble. Wow. Okay. It's a whole story. Were your eyes burning? Did your skin fall off? What happened? My, my skin absolutely did not fall off, but my eyes were burning. So, you know, college dorms, like fire alarms are going off all the fucking time, right? Because mm-hmm. kids are assholes. So my roommate and I, we lived on the 14th floor and we had made a decision that every other fire alarm, one of us would go down because we're okay. like, this Just is make so sure nobody's on fire. Yeah. Right. And so the fire alarm went off and my roommate, Cecily was like, your turn. I was like, fuck. Okay. So I like go to put pants on and I breathe in and all of a sudden I'm like, oh fuck, Cecily, this is not a joke. Like Ugh. get going. Ran out without a bra on, mm. grabbed, just grabbed my car keys, didn't have my wallet. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Um, and we were out of our dorms. We were out of our rooms for five days before they could let us back in. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah, I mean, we were running down the the stairwell. People were throwing up. People were passing out. Where did they put you up is my question. Oh, they didn't really. For the five days. So oh, the, first night, the first night, a bunch of us went to a hotel room. Okay. And just shared a hotel. This is like two in the morning. So we just mm-hmm. went and did that. Mm-hmm. And then... They were putting people up, like there was a commons between the two towers. So they were putting like cots and stuff in there. But all of us were like, this is, this no. doesn't work. If I'd known it had been five days, I just would have gone home. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I live 45 minutes from from school. But I slept on my friend Vanessa's floor for a couple of days. My mm. roommate had a boyfriend. She stayed in his dorm. Mm. Mm. And then we told our parents we needed um, all new bedding. Because they, they told yes. us we had to have it. Okay. So we went shopping and got new bedding. <laughs> I would be like, can I tell my parents I need to stay at like the Four Seasons? Like, I don't want <laughs> Very traumatized. Well, I mean, there really was no Four Seasons in Newark, Delaware. So I, I will tell you that I could never at this age sleep on a floor. Yeah. It, it, yeah. In, in my 20s, yeah. In my 30s, in my 20s, yeah. I did all mm-hmm. time. Yep. Okay, so they're getting tear gassed, and we have audio from the inside, and we hear people screaming, everybody get grab your masks. Like, they were ready for this. Mm-hmm. Sniper Christ says the plan was to insert the gas very gently. I'm just going to bust a hole into your house <laughs> and put a little canister of gas in there that will eventually turn flammable. But whatever. Right, and fill up mm-hmm. the whole house. That's fine. So he says... But here's the thing. We were ready for a fight because we assumed they would fight their way out of this. Mm-hmm. Over the speakers, Doug, we're, we're placing gas in the building. This is not an assault. We are not assaulting you. But come the fuck out right now. We're going to gas you to death, motherfuckers. But this is not an assault. It's not funny. It's absurd. So they're busting holes in the building. They're putting tear gas in. Thib- Thibodeau says they hurt. Thibodeau says. Thibodeau again. I feel like mm-hmm. he is just crying out for attention. 
I just think we, he's a fascinating character. I don't like him. I just find him fascinating. We heard 40 millimeter ferret rounds. And so, okay. So Thibodeau says we heard ferret rounds being shot around us. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now his, so, so the director puts audio in to kind of confirm nor debunk this. And I feel like he debunks this a little bit because we can't have audio inside of some guy going, what's that sound? And everybody's like, tear gas. He's like, what's <laughs> that sound? Tear gas. Nobody says it's a, a bullet. No. Nobody no. says there's a gun. Mm -mm. Nobody says shooting. So that could have applied to anything. They were busting holes in the sides of the house. That's what the sound was. Right, exactly. It wasn't being yeah. shot at. It was well, there's two. There's two pivotal moments that they do this, that they rely mm -hmm. on audio. So Rick says, as soon as they started doing this, the Branch Davidians started firing. Now, that's what Rick says. Right. Dick DeGurban is going, I'll go in there. He calls up. I'll go in there. I'll go in there with the tear gas. Right. They're like, we're fucking done with you. We're done. Right. You, you haven't gotten us what we need here. Mm -mm. We're done. Bye. The sun comes up now and we see footage of the tanks kind of destroying the buildings. And there's also a bunker. So they need to go through the front door to insert the tear gas into the bunker because the bunker mm -hmm. is an internal structure. So Thibodeau's like, when the tanks start coming through your front door, you know you're going to die. <laughs> and at a, news, at a news conference, Ricks is like, I think they're coming out today and we're done negotiating. They come mm -hmm. out or they don't. Oh, whatever. Right. Sniper Christ says he sees flames. And it's on fire. And he says it's heavy fire. And he says that the fire started in two areas that are like not downwind of each other. Right. Okay. The overhead surveillance, which is the FLIR video, shows the fire breaking out simultaneous at three separate locations. And there are no tanks near those locations. Mm. That's important. Yeah. The news is watching and waiting and they're like, nobody's fucking coming out what's going right. on rick says the fires were 100 percent started by the branch davidians sniper christ says they're lighting the place on fire thibodeau says not true no one ever spoke of starting a fire and rick's says david thibodeau is a liar who knows the truth mm -hmm. and again we do have audio here it is this is where they use audio to confirm or debunk what he's saying right there's audio of the branch davidians saying they're pouring gasoline over hay Mm -hmm. they're starting the fires they're starting the fires. they had a suicide pact yeah they weren't coming out of this alive no. so everyone just kind of sat there and watched there's no running water inside so nobody can get these fires out right Thibodeau says i was just seeing fireballs flying around one of the mothers is outside with Thibodeau's mom like in their hotel or whatever mm -hmm. she has I, I thought it said her two daughters and granddaughters were inside Definitely one daughter. Yeah, I don't remember the exact. <clears throat> and her granddaughters. And she's like watching them die. I, I, I was heartbroken for these mothers. It's, it's so heartbreaking. David Thibodeau sees a window and a hole and he runs out with two others. And he's out, he says, for about a minute and you see the building explode. Sniper Christ says, we're still waiting and nobody's coming out. And he's like, mm -hmm. it's crazy. Then he claims someone tried to shoot him. Like, okay, Sniper Christ, take a seat. The <laughs> whole place is like burning to the ground. Nobody's taking a shot at you. No, no, they got bigger problems. Mm -hmm. So the reporters are like, where's the fire trucks? Like, what's happening here? Mm -hmm. 
At some point, there's a woman and the HRT member runs across the building to grab her. He's screaming at her, where are the kids? Where are the kids? And she's just looking at him. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Heather Jones recalls seeing this and she's sobbing. Now, Heather Jones has been released. She's out. She okay? was the last little kid released. She was the last kid released and they brought them to the group home where uh, mm-hmm. Brian was having his little temper tantrum. No. Right. And she says she overhears the women in the group home saying the children's parents mustn't love them. And she starts to cry. Right. That's really sad. That is sad because I, Heather Jones, I have so much empathy for. Me too. Because, I mean, Jesus, at eight years old, she lost everything. Everything. Okay. So nine people ended up surviving that day. Nine. Lee says this was a tragedy the entire country watched at the same time. Mm -hmm. Sniper Christ says there were Bible pages burning. There were skulls and there were bodies and ammo. And it was like apocalyptic. April 20th, we see Clinton make a statement announcing the disaster. And he pretty much says, he says, David Crush was dangerous, irrational, and probably insane. Like the, the... the FBI and the government has officially, that is their line. This is yeah, a crazy they've got an guy. Official narrative, narrative. This is yep. the crazy guy who killed four federal agents mm-hmm. and needed to, this needed to happen. No, it right. didn't, but okay. It didn't. Do we see Chuck Schumer and John mm-hmm. Conyers? Yep. I know. And they're saying the FBI fucked this up. A bunch of House representatives, Republican and Democrat, agree this is bad. Mm-hmm. Then we see April 19th, 1995, Timothy McVeigh blows up the, what was the name of the building? The Murrah building. But what was the first name? The Edward R. Murrow? Edward, no, because that's Edward R. Murrow. (laughs) Sorry. I think it's the Arthur Murrow building. I'll look it up to be sure. I don't want to get that wrong. So that is in Oklahoma City, as you guys remember. It is the- I've been to the memorial. It was real bad. Oh my God, it was awful. There was a daycare in that building. It was- mm, yeah, it was the Alfred P. Murrah building. Thank you. Okay. Lee says wrong. she had to stop her car and throw up in a ditch when she realized it was the same. I love Lee's uh, dramatic, like her penchants for drama. Mm-hmm. You but know, I, just I, I pulling over and thrown up in a ditch. I believe it. Yeah, I would I believe it too. Yeah. Rick's was also the FBI special agent in charge of the Oklahoma City office. So there's a direct connection. Mm-hmm. And... Don't forget, didn't Columbine happen on the 19th or was it the 20th of 99? I think it's the 20th, actually, but let's find. We can find this out. It was April 20th. Yep. Okay. Columbine was not at all these groups of people. It was not these groups of people. But I feel like this time of year for me gets squirrely. It does. Because I have a lot of just bad feelings around all of it. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know. I had a friend growing up, her birthday is April 19th. And I remember mm. when both of these things happened on April 19th. And we're not, I mean, we're Facebook friends. I haven't talked to her in a million years. But I, I think about that every year of like, like I have friends who have, two friends of mine have September 11th birthdays. I know, that's terrible. Yeah. So Gary says, look, David Crush is ultimately responsible. But mm. that doesn't mean we didn't make mistakes. We did. A lot mm-hmm. of them. Mm-hmm. Ricks says, the FBI were the real hostages here. We were held hostage by David Koresh. We were actors in his play. And he's not wrong when he says this part. He had already written the script. We tried to change it, but we couldn't. 
Yeah. I he do had believe a that they had a plan. <clears throat> I don't know if they, I don't know if the plan they had is exactly what wound up getting executed, but they did not plan on coming out of there alive. David no. Koresh did not plan on them coming out of there alive. Correct. Right. The, the followers might not have known that, but he did right. not plan on that. Right. Or they might have known that and believed him, but it, I don't feel like it's their choice at that point because they're so brainwashed Agreed. by him. Thibodeau says the people who died in Waco were martyrs and they died for their beliefs. And I wrote, even the babies, Dickbag, mm-hmm. even the babies. Mm-hmm. I can't with that. I can't with like those people were martyrs and we had like, yes, it was horribly sad, but there were children and babies who died in there that there had no babies that they like put underground. Like they weren't these- prescribing to this ideology. They were no, innocent they no victims choice. here. So they're not no. martyrs now. So Kathy says, yeah, that was painful, but they died for their own reasons and they did it for God. Okay. Sure. Jim Cavanaugh's crying and he says, we tried everything and he had such a hold on their minds. Mm -hmm. Bill says he thinks about Waco every day Mm -hmm. and David Koresh, you're an asshole and I hope you're in hell. That's what he says. I'm like, okay, Bill. Okay. Now, Tick to Gerben, again, another <laughs> one with the flair for the dramatic, says right. there was a law book with the page open to the Fourth Amendment that did not burn. And we all know the Fourth Amendment is free from unreasonable search and seizure. No, they had reasonable s- search. Yes. They they knew they had grenades and, right. and this, automatic weapons right. in there. This was not the Revolutionary War where we're just no. ripping open doors. This no, was this you had amassed a... a, a Fucking An arsenal. Arsenal. Right. Yeah. Sniper Christ says, I've tried to make sense of how a cow field became the dying spot for 80 people. All I know is, and this was an interesting quote, I thought, violence appears out of nowhere, destroys lives, and drifts off to another scene. Mm. And I've given up trying to figure out why. I thought that was interesting. That's an interesting... <clears throat> It's an interesting, like, metaphor. I know, and I want to like Sniper Christ. I really do. But I feel like he's a little, little aggro. There's There's some things I like about him and some things I don't. Yeah, I agree. Like Jim Cavanaugh I like a lot. Me too. Buford I like a lot. Gary I like a lot. These three people I have a ton of respect and empathy for. Not to say they didn't do things that weren't great, but I think they were all trying to do the right thing. I think they tried to do the right thing. I think they saw the Branch Davidians as humans, as mm-hmm. people, yeah, and tried to treat them as such. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, Heather has some real survivor's guilt. Her whole yes, family was murdered. She feels alone. She was the last child to come out alive. The um, the vi- the video of her listening to her dad's voice on the recording. I know the last time they talked on the. Was, I know. I I don't cry. You know. I almost cried. Yeah, it was was heartbreaking. The black screen of death tells us that four agents and 82 Branch Davidians died during this standoff, including 28 children. Fucking A. I also have a note here. Did you know that this is where, and I'm saying this with as much sarcasm as I can muster, National Treasure Alex Jones got his start? Oh, I did Mm -hmm. not know this. He started InfoWars after he tried to rebuild a church at Mount Carmel and realized like there was an appetite for this kind of thing. Then he starts InfoWars. So we have the FBI to thank for him as well. Great. Good job. Mm -hmm. Good job. So that's it. That's the end of the miniseries. I mean, it's, 
It's a lot. It's intense. It's important, though, I feel like. It is important. What do you think could have... Do you have a theory on what could have prevented this? I do believe that if they had continued negotiating, that they could have either gotten him out or got somebody else out. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, they were working on the mothers. That was a good angle. They were were making headway. I really think if they hadn't, if they hadn't done the driving the tanks over his cars. Yeah. They would have had a lot more time. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's hard to say because I think the whole situation was fucked up right from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think they were honestly, they had, don't forget, they had microphones in there. They had a lot of evidence. They had Robert Rodriguez in there. Mm -hmm. They knew how committed these people were right and they weren't up to committing suicide if something were to go down and i honestly think they thought that if they arrested david crush at a sheets Mm -hmm. that that would happen yeah it's i don't know the whole thing is heartbreaking and i i'm not sure i'm not sure we have as a country have learned a lot from it i will say this there are days that I hate social media mm-hmm. and there are days that I love it. And when I see mm-hmm. something like this, it reminds me of the level of transparency we have today, thanks True. to social media that we have never had before. True. Like there, if this happened today, there would be people inside that yeah. compound tweeting out what was happening. Absolutely. We would be and there'd knowing be people what with was drones. happening. Like, yes. There would be all sorts of, you know people who decide they're going to become reporters and investigators and but there would also be like there would be citizen detectives amy there would be citizen detectives like somebody like us would Mm -hmm. go and get the freedom of information act yeah and get a bunch of shit and put it all out on the internet so everybody knew what was going on there's so much more transparency now than there has been in the past is there enough no 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 but there's more Mm -hmm. and that's always a good thing because Agreed. shit like this can't happen when people are watching. Agreed. Agreed. That's how I feel. And, you know, I feel that way about police brutality. Like, I feel Agreed. like they should the, all be in cameras. Like, yeah, the, the more, more eyes on the situations, the better. The more transparency we have, the less opportunities there are for corruption. Absolutely. Period. Yeah. But this is heartbreaking. I find, again, I find David Thibodeau to be fascinating because I don't think he was a true believer. In the way, say, Kathy was. I don't know what his deal is. I think he was a true believer of David Koresh. I don't necessarily think he was a true believer of the religion, if that makes sense. You know, there was just a time, and this this might have been a Gen X thing, and David Thibodeau is firmly in Gen X. Oh, yeah. Where, you know, there was this real sense of, like, we were just searching for something all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, we wanted mm-hmm. to belong to something. We needed to. I don't know where that comes from in our generation, but it's there. Mm-hmm. he's 54 so yeah he is 100 percent. and yep. so like i don't i do believe like i see this happening that mm-hmm. you know as a young man he's looking for something he finds it that's it i mean that's how cults start i mean yeah jonestown started that way you know people were just looking for like equality and a simple life and right you know manson too like it's i don't know he was just looking for something and he found it and it's yeah, this I is mean, how people how corrupt cults, religion. Which I think is one of the, I love that Sarah Edmondson from Nexium says this. People don't join cults. They join 
things that they think are positive. Yes. She joined Nexium because she wanted to become a more successful actor and wanted to basically worthy up, level up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her her life. And then she winds up in this. People mm-hmm. want to find love, so they find up wind up with Jeff and Shalea. Like Yeah. But yeah, no, I get it. I get they're it. They're not starting out in a cult. Yes, I get it. And then, you know, very subtly, these leaders start to turn you to paranoia, turn you to, mm-hmm. you know, there's an outside threat. There's an external threat to us. Very, and then you very slowly turning up the heat. Yes. Yeah. Very slowly. So you don't realize you're on fire until you're on fire. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. Anything else? No, we could probably talk about this for 17 more years, but the the one person I feel like we didn't talk a ton about was Kathy. I need to know what she's doing now. Who's Brian? Where's Brian? Where's Brian? And it was interesting to listen to the podcast about how once Brian was born, her husband kind of separated from him because they all wanted all the children to be raised as David's. Yeah. It's it's nuts. Oh, also in that podcast, guys, they talk about that reporter. John Malcolmore. Is that John his name or am I yeah. trying to say? Macklemore. How his career was like ruined because somebody yeah. erroneously said he was the dude who tipped off the ATF. Yep. And his career was completely ruined. And he thought this was going to be the thing that made <clears throat> his career. Break. Yep. And it destroyed his career. Yeah. It's and really sad. It is. I mean, the, the break happened because this photographer just went to Heather's dad and was like, hey, do you know where this crazy compound is? Because shit's going down there today. Like, yeah. And it the guy's not even mentioned. His name is Jim Peller. We know you, Jim Peller. <laughs> the, the whole thing was just botched start to finish. Yeah. I mean, it's not Jim Peller's fault, but, no, no. you know. The, there were so many things that went wrong. Yeah. Yep. And it's heartbreaking because a lot of people died. A lot of people died. A lot of kids and died. A lot of kids died. <sighs> Jesus. All right, my friend. Guys, uh, watch this Watch this documentary. It's worth All a worth watch. watching. A hundred percent. And if you haven't watched the dramatization, I'd also say that's well worth a watch as well. I would say that as well. And as always, be a critical thinker. You know, watch mm-hmm. the documentary. Don't take it for gospel. Fact check it. Do some research. You know, right. I do that with everything. Like, I don't trust anything a documentary tells me. Yeah, I always look I'm up always stuff like, too. Mm. Because every documentarian, try as they might, has an agenda. The way you choose to tell the story is your agenda. Yes. Yep. And... It, it's it's impossible to be completely fair to everybody. It just is. I agree. It just I is. Agree. So, but this is good. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure you jump in our Facebook group, Backdoor Friends. We have a lot Almost of fun. Almost at eight hundred, Amy. I can't believe how we're growing. I know it's amazing. It's amazing, and it's so supportive and loving in there. I love it so much. Yeah, I love it so much too. Um, and follow us on Instagram. We're building up our Instagram presence as well which is exciting. And, you know, if you like what you hear, leave a five-star review. If you don't like what you hear, go outside and garden. You don't have to leave a (laughs) two-star review. You don't have to do that. It's winter, so um, go organize your spice cabinet. Yes, yes. Redo your pantry like I just did when my sister was here. Ah, I'm going to redo mine this week. There you go. There you go. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you soon. Take care, everyone.